Our walk home. Join good friends Amy, Aaron, and Kate as they take a deep dive into the world of sugar addiction. Three women who found the strength to tackle their own addiction through community, courage, and commitment. Each episode will tackle a new subject, offering a little guidance and inspiration as you take your own walk home back from the edge of addiction. Hello there, and welcome to our second episode of our Walk Home Recovery uh, Journeys in Recovery. Um, We're here today to uh, kind of talk about where it all begins, and that is abstinence. Um, And I think what we have all learned is um, abstinence alone is not actually recovery. There's so much more to it. Um, So even if it starts with abstinence, it by no means ends there. Um, And so that's kind of what we want to hit on a little bit today, what we've learned in our time in recovery. Getting out of the food and stopping the sugar is a monumental feat that uh, we all struggled for years to to get to and have finally found a place that it's uh happening sometimes happening all the time for some of us um and at least not far out of our reach um if there's ever struggles um but as you get out of the food we're learning that the food is is actually a small part of it it's all the stuff that drove us to wanting the food that really has to be dealt with and and the wanting to escape feelings and pain and all of those things that led us to the food that really needs to be dealt with um, or else uh, that's just not even possible to begin being abstinent. So with that kind of um, idea in mind, uh, Kate, I'd like to hear what you have to say today about this topic. I think you are um, I know for me, you are in this group of three, a beacon of hope for me. Um, your abstinence is is quite strong. Um, doesn't mean you don't have urges to to pick up and use, but uh, um, I look to you as as an example that this can be done. Hi, Erin. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for that introduction. Wow, what can I say? Well, abstinence is a fantastic topic, and I think that. Everything begins with abstinence. But I think if abstinence is seen as our definition of recovery, then the failure rate is going to be so much higher. Um, What is abstinence? I think it's good to actually look at that and get a definition of a working definition. For me, abstinence is what puts our body into withdrawal. And it's in the withdrawal process that we start to begin to reorder what's going on in our bodies and in our brains um, and in our hearts. So for me, abstinence, very much the ticket into the show. Um, But clean is not enough. Clean is not enough. Not if you want a life. And I do. So I think it's really helpful to have a definition of abstinence that works for us as individuals. And that's so important. 40 years, four decades, I really struggled with restrictive eating and diets and meal plans and thinking I had to eat this way or do this or do that and follow somebody else's rules. When the key is to understand that it's my own personal definition of abstinence, an abstinence that works for me, and that my definition of abstinence 
could be completely different to yours, Erin, or yours, Amy, but it's something that I can commit to. Um, and it might look like I'm going to have three ketogenic meals, no snacks, and I will supplement on a GABA uh, supplement and fish oil, something like that. And that's my plan. I commit to that. And I show up every day and I stick with that. And that's my definition of abstinence, no matter what. So I feel really, for me, the, the starting point with abstinence um, is recognising that clean is not enough, but also figuring out what abstinence means to me as an individual. So I think those are just a couple of initial opening thoughts and just want to introduce Amy and bring you on board and invite you to share what you have on abstinence. Oh, and thank you. Um, my view of abstinence is something I've tried so many times in my life and now trying abstinence again or living in abstinence it's so different when you have recovery attached to abstinence. So I look at it differently now than I have in the past. And I look at it now um, as something we just need to do. We need to get rid of the substance so we can move forward and begin healing our brains for the bigger job, which is recovery. But I feel you need the abstinence to work your way into recovery. So I feel like it might be such a strict word abstinence because I look at it as all of the things you can't do. But then when you look at a bigger picture of recovery, it's all of the things you can do. And what can we do with this abstinence? How, um, how we can start managing our life and living our life in a more comfortable and successful way once we enter recovery. But like you said, it's the ticket into the show. We have to start somewhere. So we need to get rid of the substance to start clearing our mind, to then start doing the bigger work, the bigger picture and heal the brain. So then we can move forward. I feel like I've tried abstinence so many times in my life and failed with it because I didn't know abstinence should be or could be attached with a recovery plan where you're planning every day or in the evening, how am I going to work through tomorrow to stay abstinent or waking up and thinking, what do I need to do to keep this substance out of my body? Back before I understood what recovery was, it was just stopping the substance. And now I see why that doesn't really work for everybody. It could work for some, but I feel when you are into the addiction, abstinence isn't enough. It's almost like holding your breath until it falls apart. But if you have abstinence and recovery to follow, there's no reason to fall apart. What you guys say just speaks to me um, so strongly. Um, you know, I think society tells us abstinence is restrictive. And if you're restrictive, then you're just going to have more problems. Um, and uh, like you said, Amy, maybe abstinence isn't for everybody. And like you said, Kate, abstinence looks so individual. And I think that's important to keep in mind is, is you know, we're all different people and, and we have to do what works for us. I was just at my doctor this week and, you know, talking a little bit about some of my struggles over the last few months, you know, and, and I really, after super clean eating for nine months, 
I've spent the last nine months kind of struggling with nothing like I used to eat, but some things here and there. And she said, well, why don't you just eat that and just cover yourself with insulin? And I thought, (laughs) and I told her, I said, well, the problem with me is I'll eat that. And then I'll think about it for four days and I'll want it all the time. And I'll be obsessed about getting more and all this stuff happens. And she goes, oh yeah, I guess that, that wouldn't work for you. And so, you know, when you're dealing with addictions, there's just so much chatter going on in the head. Um, that it is very different. This idea of moderation, moderation never worked for me. I could never push my way myself away from the table. Um, you know, 80, 20% certainly was flipped for me. It was 80% of what I shouldn't eat and 20% of what I should. Um, and you know, it, it just, it never worked. And so it led to these feelings of, of failure and all of those things. So for me as an addict, when I'm abstinent, I completely agree, Amy. That's when I get the freedom. That is absolutely when I get the freedom from all the head ch- chatter. My sister calls it head trash, um, where I'm just saying all these terrible things. I'm obsessing over what may have happened, what somebody might think of me, the look they gave me at the grocery store, you know, all the stuff that isn't even true. But when I'm abstinent, those things go away. I can do things like show up late to record this podcast and laugh at myself and say, oh, whoops, I screwed up. I'm glad it's going to work out. And I'm not going to hold on to this all day like I would like I would have in the past or like I would when I'm in the food. Um, so what do what being abstinent meant for me was um you know first of all like you said the withdrawal i mean it has to be a problem if that's how i'm going to feel when i stop eating it if i'm going to be irritable and headaches and nauseous and feel crummy for 2 weeks how can that be a good substance for me when i take it away and i feel like that but more importantly what it was doing to my mental health just blew me away and i didn't even realize it until I was abstinent. Once I was abstinent, I went, oh, maybe I'm not just this depressed, anxious person. Maybe I'm not such a piece of doo-doo as one of our coaches says. Um, Because without the food, I didn't feel that anymore. I was able to deal with mistakes I made and learn from them instead of feeling like a mistake. I was able to try new things and be okay if it didn't go the way that I wanted to, because I've realized maybe the way I want it to isn't the best way for me. I can give that up and let go of the outcome and just do my best and see what happens. But I never would have known that had I not actually gotten abstinent. So while it seems restrictive to others, I'm with you. It That is where my freedom has come in is by being abstinent. Um yeah, that is that is that is where my freedom absolutely comes from. Now, what I realized being abstinent is although I could deal with all that chatter in my head a lot better, it certainly isn't gone. It's still there and life is still crummy. Um, you know, bad things happen, challenges arise, relationships are difficult. All of those things continue to happen even though I'm abstinent, I can handle it better, but it takes a lot of work. That's the other thing I'm I'm realizing is, is to not want to be drawn back into the food. Um, I have to work on all of those things that were going on with me that made me want to numb out and escape in the first place, for sure. Um, I, I think there's, 
I do like the idea that our that our group SugarX Global says that there's some some basic tenants for everybody. We got to avoid sugar. We need to avoid flours, processed foods, um, and seed oils. I, if I can avoid those four things, then I can figure out what affects me. Cheese. Ooh, didn't realize it, but I kept going back for more. So that was my clue of maybe this is a problem food because I can't stop eating it just like those other foods. Um, but that's where the individuality comes in that we each get to find out what triggers us and, and, and uh, makes us want more. Um, and then I, I I couldn't do it without the abstinence. So we've got the ticket to the show. We're abstinent. We get in. And now the work early begins. And that's where I think recovery shows up. So I'd like to hear from you guys. I think it's a good time now to kind of say, okay, abstinence is one side, but it's not by itself. It has to be tethered to recovery. And what exactly is recovery for you, Kate? I think I'd like to really pick up on this idea about perception, the perception that abstinence is restriction. Um, the abstinence alone, I think it's like a constant battle not to use. And it's actually a really difficult place in which to live. Why do I know that? Why does it sound familiar? Because I lived in that place for over four decades, following diet club diet plans and restrictions. Um, But it's different now. You know, abstinence can make us do really crazy things too. The longest period I ever stayed clean when I was deep in abstinence and following a restrictive diet plan was about two weeks when I got to goal weight in all of that 40 years. And I celebrated that by saying, yippee, I'm cured. And you know what I did to celebrate being cured? I ordered takeout and and it wasn't enough. And then I ordered more. And yeah, you remember, you know, went right back down the slippery slope. And I'm not saying that abstinence and that's it won't work for some people. Maybe moderation does, maybe it can, but it doesn't work for this person. I know I'm a hopeless, hardcore sugar addict. And I know that I'm going to default to use if I settle for this idea of abstinence alone. It's got to be more than that. Um, you know, and to me, really, this is where the piece about group support comes so much into play. And it's so much a part of recovery. Nobody's going to hang on to abstinence alone. But if you're in a group support, if you're with other people, wow, it becomes so powerful. Part of the healing process is really learning how to stay out of my own way. You know, I have this perception or this idea I'm this kind of unique, special person and that no one else has my brand of suffering and I can do this on my own and I'm better off alone and I can fix it myself and it's going to be okay and all of that. And I just think, man, if I could have fixed it myself, I wouldn't have ended up at 250 pounds and able to walk downstairs without clinging onto the banister rail because my pain, the pain in my heel from plantar fasciitis, I was crippled. You know, I couldn't walk and I was so heavy and I was so swollen. And that's where abstinence had got me. <laughs> you know, it sets up this trigger in the brain that I just want more. It's kind of crazy. But combining abstinence and recovery now, now you're talking because recovery is the piece that's about getting back into life. And Erin, you talk so much about freedom and, you know, in, in that abstinence, in that restrictive peace, life is so small, you know, we settle for that. We sell ourselves out and we think that's enough. 
But in recovery, we find life. I mean, the first time we met and I sat down with you at Sugar X Global and we talked, you gave me this quote and it stuck with me forever. Fall down seven times, stand up eight. And for every restrictive diet I've been on and crashed and burned to get to this point now where I just see the power of of walking with other people side by side in this recovery journey, it's so different this time around. And I'm just so... I'm just so profoundly grateful. And um, yeah, I'm so grateful that you guys are part of my lives. So that's what I got here. So I hand over to Amy. Yes, just listening to both of you talk about abstinence. Um, I've realized over over this podcast that abstinence has meant different things to me over time. And right, and it could mean something different to everybody who's listening. So there's not just one definition. But I think um, over time, it's changed. And sometimes when you're first trying to get rid of the substance, abstinence can mean something different the first week than it could be mean this, the next week. Sometimes you just need to give up the substance. And that could be your first week of abstinence, knowing what you don't want to put into your body. And then as you go through withdrawal and you start to feel better, you may not, you you may want to tweak what you feel was abstinence. Maybe the first week you need to add a lot more fat or a lot more protein just to get through the day or whatever you need to add in to get through your withdrawal symptoms. You might not need all of that as you continue through your recovery. So your first week might look different than your second week because your second week you might say, hey, I don't want to have, I, I don't need to keep, eating all day long just to feel well anymore. I got through my withdrawal. So now I want to narrow it down to my three meals a day with a snack or my two meals a day or whatever that is to you. So I feel over time, abstinence, the definition has changed. It evolves. Um, or I even could look at it as it comes in stages, you know, stage one of abstinence and then stage two. But um, But regardless of what the abstinence is, I feel the reason I failed so many times in the past is because I never knew, I might've known what abstinence was and I might've been doing it on my own. I never knew what recovery was. I never knew you needed to be part of a community or part of a program. Um, I don't think I ever realized there are people or places that make this harder, that make abstinence harder. So in the past, I never realized there are things I can do. I can start thinking about what I want to do if I am with these people or I'm in these places. How can I handle the food that that will be there? So in the past, that could have tripped me up. But now through recovery, recovery helps you understand that there are triggers. Um, and it just recovery teaches you that you can speak back to what you hear in your mind, that just because you hear something, it doesn't mean you need to follow what you're hearing, that there's a voice. You can speak back to it, and that can just help you through your recovery and your abstinence. Um, I've learned in recovery that there's a pause, that you need to go with the pause, that you need to take the pause. In between those thoughts in your mind, you can act on those thoughts, 
or you can take the pause and not act on them. I feel in when I was just in abstinence alone, I don't think I had the pause. I think sometimes something impulsive would come over me and I would give in. And then that would, I'd feel like I had to start back to square one. But now in recovery, I've learned so much that if something does trip me up, you're not back to square one because you've learned so much. You're so far from where square one used to be. Um, I think that as we have the addict brain, we're so very impulsive that we need a very quick phrase that we can all carry with us, or maybe even a mantra that when we end up in a situation, we can just quickly, quickly think of to then not act on what we want. So I feel like in the past in abstinence, I never would have had that thought in my head, but because I've learned to recovery through all the coaches, find something in your mind that you can constantly bring up when you're about to do something you may not want to do. Um, a lot of people sit, may say, um, that's not my food or keep your eyes on your own plate or that's poison to me. Whatever works for you, I feel like the way I do it is, um, I say, I'm so glad that's not my food. I, I had to turn it around. I'm so glad that's not my food. That food makes me sick. But I never knew any of this. So basically, <laughs> um, abstinence gets you into recovery and recovery is learning why you could never <laughs> stay abstinent in the past. So I'm so grateful to be here. And I'm so grateful I learned about the word recovery. And I never even knew that recovery is attached to this. So grateful to be here and grateful for all I learned. I often say, I wish everybody was in recovery. I think that, uh, I mean, it's just tools for life, right? We just happen to be applying these tools to our disease of addiction, um, but it's, it's just such a better way to live. It really is a new way of life and everybody could use this new way of life as far as, cause it, the new way of life starts with putting down your substance or your behavior because addiction is addiction. It just shows up in different forms. And then recovery is, is how to manage those and keep them away, but it's just coping skills for life. Everybody can use a pause. Everybody has impulsively bought. Everybody has said something to a loved one that they wish that they would have taken back. Everybody has um, reacted to traffic in a way that later they go, well, that wasn't really my best self. And recovery kind of gives you that those coping skills. It gives me those coping skills to deal with all of life, even outside of my abstinence. Um, I was thinking that it's important, especially for people who are just starting to become abstinent, to realize that they are going to feel better. Like most things in life, I I say this to people all the time and at, at my work, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Most things get worse before they get better. If you're decluttering your, decluttering your house, it usually looks like a tornado hit before you get reorganized again because you're pulling everything out. It is not uncommon for things to look worse before they get better. So you stop eating these foods that you know are so harmful for you, and then you feel really bad physically, emotionally, mentally, all of it. You feel really bad. And so the the solution that's always worked in the past is to go back to the food. And so you have to fight 
through that solution and you get stuck in this, I quit the foods. After five days, I feel crummy. I go back to the foods and then I feel crummy for going back to the foods. So I quit the foods. And then five days later, I feel really bad. And so I go back to the foods and you're just stuck in this loop and you've got to bust out soon. And we have to tolerate some pain in order to get past the need to numb the pain. Um, And yeah, without one day at a time and no matter what, without those two phrases, I don't know if I would have made it through. Um, I remember a week into um, full recovery and real abstinence for the first time, um, my family was just going through some really hard things that I never imagined we would have to deal with. And I drove from parking lot to parking lot. I went to this grocery store and sat in the parking lot and said, no matter what, I'm not going to get X, Y, and Z. No matter what, I'm not going to get my drug food. No matter what, I'm not going to get my drug. And I just went to two or three different parking lots um, and just sat there crying, saying, no matter what, I'm not going to do it just for today, just for these 15 minutes, I'm not going to do it. And then I reached out, I got on our, our web platform for our group. And I, I, you know, kind of told on myself and said, this is what I'm doing. And I had so much support and I was able to get through that and bust through that piece of withdrawal and that not knowing how to cope with life being lifey um, and do something different for the first time in my life. I did something different. And then what, what came from that was a lot of different Um, you know, I was flying once with my daughter and something happened and normally I would have freaked out and I just kind of dealt with it. Well, this is where we are and let's figure out what we're going to do. And she looked at me and she said, where's my mom and what have you done with her? (laughs) Cause I just, it was so different in how I handled the stress of life. Um, and that's what recovery gives you is those ways of, of those coping skills that you talked about, Amy, the pause, um, the phrases to stop the impulsivity, the impulsivity, the connection that you talked about, Kate. Um, I certainly have been, I'm just going to do everything by myself because I know how to do it best. And if everyone would just do it my way, life would be better too. Um, and that's just not true. And the community has given me a chance to, you know, take some constructive criticism or, um, have a safe place where I can misunderstand what's been said and I can come back and ask for clarification in a safe space. I can say things that are totally off the wall and I'm not going to get crazy looks. I'm going to get head nods like, yep, I've been there too. You can do this. Um, And it is, it's just, it's just complete resilience recovery is because especially food you know, we can not go to liquor stores. I cannot go to the weed store. I can, I can avoid a lot. Of, I can, you know, stay up. I can be computers a little bit harder for online shopping, but I don't have to go to Las Vegas every month if gambling is my thing. Um, there are ways to avoid it. I have to eat three times a day, sometimes twice. I have to eat every day. Um, and yeah, if I don't plan and prepare for it and I'm stuck with hmm, what sounds good, I'm in trouble because I don't have the luxury of having a completely abstinent house because I live with other people who do not eat the same way that I do. So it is up to me to find ways to say, all right, I'm going to have my taco meat 
on a bed of red cabbage with some guacamole on top. And those crunchy things that you like to eat your taco meat with, they go on the other side of the table. And I have to deal with that. I can't not have it there. Um, And I wouldn't have been able to without recovery and without that's not my food, reframing things. It's not that I have to avoid it. It's that I get to avoid it. And I get to avoid that food. And then I get to have peace between my ears. Um, and it's it's all of those recovery messages that help me deal with the everyday life of food and the everyday life of life. Um, I like that idea that life doesn't get better. We just get better at life. So some days better than others. I also, you know, my best is is changes from day to day. And I've learned here in recovery that that's okay too. Do not have to be at my best every day. Sometimes I just need to go to bed early. I love that. I really love the idea of just cutting ourselves some slack. And you know, one thing I know about people with the disease of addiction is we do hard things. And resilience, persistence, tell me about it. You know, four decades trying the same thing over and over, thinking it was going to turn out a different way, and and it didn't. And the peace of mind, the peace, and just the relief that comes with finding a way of getting beyond the craziness that was the diet world, the restrictive diet world. Um, yeah, it's, it's something else, really. You know, but the one thing I do want to say is that when we commit to abstinence, it's only ever for 24 hours and it's only ever for one hour. You know, it's only ever for the next minute. You know, all this business of day care, I'm clean for 10 days, I'm clean for 11 days. Well, to me, that's just setting myself up for a fail. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I do care, but I don't spend time thinking about it. And if Red Dog comes calling, just as Bitten Johnson's taught all of us, I just say, that sounds like a good idea, but maybe tomorrow. We're not doing that today. And I keep going. Because at the end of the day, that's all I have, 24 hours. And anybody can make it through 24 hours. I don't mind what you say. We can do it. And we don't have to do it alone. But when we commit to abstinence, to me, it also has to go beyond food. It can't just be half-hearted. You can't choose, I'm going to be abstinent from food um, and sugar, but carry on with the other Present addictions, the other active addictions like over shopping, like debt, like gambling, like porn, like Netflix, like screen scrolling. If we don't choose to manage those behaviors and manage the abstinence across the board for all those sorts of compulsive behaviors, um, it's not going to stop. You can't stop at one and ignore the others because it's all part of the same addictive cycle. We call it addiction interaction disorder. It's one disease with many different outlets. And you need to address the impact of all those different outlets. Because if we don't do that, we're going to weaken the chances of success by keeping all those other addictions active. Recovery. Wow, what is recovery? Recovery is living really a healthy and fulfilling life without any of those negative behaviours. And it has to be, for me, it has to be that positive understanding and that positive focus. So it's not, ah, I don't use. It's actually, I have a healthy and fulfilling life. And there's a difference. I think um, when I hear the word abstinence, I feel, you know, I might have said this already, but I feel like I'm holding my breath. But 
when I think of abstinence and recovery, when I hear the word recovery is when I can take the big sigh of relief, because I know if I have abstinence with recovery following or recovery with abstinence, I'm not holding my breath anymore, but abstinence alone felt like you're white knuckling it all the time. So I feel with recovery, um, you learn how to live in your abstinence. You learn tools and you learn strategies and you're not doing it alone. You have connections when you're in recovery. Um, I feel, you know, you learn to be vulnerable with others that you're connecting with in re- in recovery, which is so helpful. Um, I just feel to tie it up, I guess, um, recovery to me is taking the action steps to keep your abstinence. So you may start with abstinence, but the recovery is what we need to do to keep that. And it may be hard work, but I feel abstinence alone is hard work. Abstinence in recovery is so manageable. Abstinence alone, I was never able to do it. Some people may, but I feel abstinence alone is setting yourself up for failure, possibly. It's 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 thinking, it's trying so many times and not getting anywhere and thinking it's your fault. It's your problem. You know, just abstinence alone. You keep trying and then you think so poorly of yourself that you can't do it. But having recovery with your abstinence and taking those action steps is. it's all the difference is what works for me. And I hope anybody listening, I hope it can help you too. And it's not just giving up a substance. It's then learning how to live and enjoy your life and find joy in other things other than just the substance that you are giving up. Thank you. I'm with you. Action is a big part of recovery. I do. um, I love those three A's. For me, recovery is admitting that I'm an addict, um, accepting that I'm an addict rather, um, and admitting it all comes from honesty, Um, accepting that uh, addiction has all of those different outlets. I think it's important to remember that uh, you're abstinent from your drug of choice, um, but look out what's going to what's going to show up. Um, So the next thing is awareness. So when I'm up till three in the morning, binging some Netflix show, and then I'm tired the next day, and I didn't fulfill my requirements that I was supposed to do that night. um, That is also a problem, you know, the awareness of what I'm doing and what I'm thinking. So I can see when that um, addictive addiction interactive disorder starts creeping up in other parts of my life. Um, The but then without action, it's, there's going to be no way, you know, it's that I I can know a whole bunch of things, but if I don't do anything with that knowledge and put it into action, it is so easy to slip back into it. So I'm with you, Amy recovery is those are those actions for me um, that keep me abstinent, that keep me in a place of peace, that keep me in a place of serenity that help me be the best person that I can. Um, you know, that idea of being my true authentic self. Um, 
I've never liked myself as much as I have being an addict in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I feel so lucky to realize what I've been dealing with these last 40 some odd years. Um, and so grateful now to have a path forward to, uh, come out of that shame spiral and, uh, feel really good about who I am and what I'm doing and where I'm going, knowing that it takes a lot of effort on my part, on my part. Um, and it takes the right attitude, but I've given up control of the outcome and, uh, I leave that to recovery. And, uh, as long as I'm putting in the effort and the out and the, uh, attitude towards recovery, boy, we are all unstoppable. And isn't it crazy? All that self-loathing and all that shame. That's why I think stopping use of the substance, it's just not enough. So if we pull it back a stage and say that, think about addiction as a disease and acknowledge how addiction hijacks the brain's dopamine reward system so that by the time the substance abuse is actually established, all of us, our whole self, our brain, our body, and our heart has been, well, I love this phrase, hooked, hijacked, and hacked. And so we have changes in the brain that are driving our behavior and our emotions. We have urges we can't control. We do things we don't want to do. We lose ourselves. We change. We become out of control because this disease is pathological as well as progressive. The addiction the disease changes us, you know, and of course it does because that's what a chronic disease does. So if you get asthma or you get cancer or heart disease or strokes or hypertension or kidney disease or rheumatoid arthritis or all of these, these conditions change who we are fundamentally as a person. And that's why stopping use of the substance isn't enough because it doesn't include why we're abstinent or how we're going to be so abstinent, or how we're going to maintain that abstinence. And there has to be like a a healing for me, almost. Does that make sense? Like a recovery, a whole person recovery of body, brain, and heart. And you're not going to get that by just saying, I'm abstinent and I don't use. Uh, What is that? That's a hideous life. That it's like I said at the beginning, setting us up to fail. So to me, abstinence, what can I say? Abstinence, sobriety, however you want to call it, is what you stop doing. And recovery is what you start doing. And recovery is what pulls us back into life. And I am so grateful to say now that I am in recovery and I'm doing it every day. And I'm not doing it on my own. I'm surrounded by people who are walking this same path. And how inspiring and how wonderful is that? And life does become extraordinary. I'm just so profoundly grateful. I feel, Kate, um, with everything you just said, it, I'm just visualizing um, recovery is it's like a big circle. It's a big hug. There's always a place to come back to. If you fall off, if you're in abstinence alone and you fall off, you're alone again in the world, you know, until the next time you get back into your abstinence. But in recovery, if you fall off, you have a slip or whatever you may, whatever you want to call it, there's always in recovery, 
a place to come back to, a big hug. So that's just what I was thinking when you were talking. And again, so grateful to have learned the definition of recovery and have found people to recover with. This group of three has been that hug to come back to for me. And I'm so glad that we are, um, you know, putting something in the world to see if we can extend our arms to anybody else who might need it. Kate, what you said was absolutely beautiful. And um, I, you know, I, I think that's, that's a good way to probably end here today because, you know, we don't talk too much about the food and in general, because it's not about that. It's about what we're going to do from here on out. Um, the food is what it is. It was what it was. Um, and what are we going to do from here on out? And that's recover together. Thank you for joining us this week. And, uh, we look forward to seeing you for our next episode where uh, definitely we're going to just focus on that path of recovery and the action and the the doing of recovery that allows us to be our real true selves. So thank you very much. We'll see you next time. <laughs>